Welcome to episode 49 of Three Point Podcast. We have a different look at the sports world and current events from three different generations. I'm the old timer, Ted Fatella, Sportsnet Michigan and Z92.5 Radio. On the phone is our middleman and social media guru, Matt Burns of ESPN. And our youngest views will be coming from Jared Fatella of Grand Valley State University and Fox 17 in Grand Rapids. Our partners tonight include the great folks at Rivals Tap House and Grill, the Corona Connection, Corona Public Schools, and our podcast studio, Z92.5 The Castle. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a rating on Apple iTunes. You can also find us on SoundCloud or TuneIn. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at 3PointPod. Well, we're going to be talking some college football in our regular potpourri of sports talk tonight. We'll also talk some big-time running with one of our favorites, Noah Jacobs, and his buddy and fellow Wisconsin Badger and 2018 NCAA cross-country national champion, Morgan McDonald. And we'll get with them a little bit later. But guys, I think we got to start in college football and the big story that broke, huh? I know what people are thinking, like Michigan fans. Like, at first thought, I kind of felt the same way, too. Like, I'm happy Urban Meyer is gone. But then I really thought about it, and he sort of – he had the last laugh. I mean, he went 7-0 and against us, and it's – the way I, like, kind of referenced it, it's almost like – and this might be a little R-rated. It might have to get bleeped out. But it's almost like, you know, two people, you know, they 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 really like each other, and they get together, and one of them perform like, pleasures the other person oh and then the other person <laughs> doesn't pleasure him back like that's kind of what happened here he left without us being able to be him he he left us you know with blue balls is basically what i'm getting at here it does uh it does feel a little like sour grapes type of thing like you know i mean basically what jared's alluding to i think is what he's trying to <laughs> allude to uh you know, if Michigan wins next year against Ryan Day, and I don't know if Dwayne Haskins is going to come back or not, obviously, but there's going to be that excuse, you know, from Ohio State fans like, oh, yeah, well, it's the first year of Ryan Day. Of course, you couldn't be Urban Meyer, you know, all that. So, you know, but I'm at the point like, I don't really care either way. I just want a Michigan win over Ohio State. I don't care who's coaching their team. And if I had my, my, my preference, Jared might be surprised with this, I, I'm 100% disappointed for the fact that Urban's leaving and we didn't get a chance to beat his ass. I mean, you know, forever we in had, we forever had in the chances. Oh, we had plenty of chances, but I I didn't want to see him go till we at least beat him. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, yeah, you know yeah. that'll be forever in the game's lore that Urban Meyer went seven and zero against Michigan. It's just like John Cooper on the other side of the coin, two nine and one. I think it was. That was like the area code that that Michigan fans were talking about. I mean. Meyer had to go. I mean, he obviously had health issues. I think uh, maybe this decision was made early on when he was forced to sit out for three games. You know, all the turmoil that took place in the season. But it does leave a bad taste in my mouth that Michigan never beat him. And, and, you know, the big Twitter polls this week were, as a Michigan fan, are you happy to see him go or sad to see him go? Well, I wanted to beat him, number one. It's it's the worst type of thing. I, I used to do the same thing to my brothers. So actually, this is something that still is a little bit of a hot topic in our family. So the last time I played my brother Josh in one-on-one, it was my freshman year of high school. It was his senior year. And before the, before the practice one day, I played him one-on-one, and I beat him. The only time I ever beat him. And I ref- he wanted to play me immediately after, and I refused to play him. <laughs> and it actually resulted in a bit of a brawl. He chased me around the gym. 
And the coach actually, Coach Schemenauer, actually had to break us up. Thank God he did. I would have got my butt whooped. But that's kind of, that's just how I feel. Like, that's, now it's kind of like I'm getting a taste of my own medicine. Like, you know, I'm never going to get that chance to right that wrong. Right. And and how long, you know, on kind of the same topic, how long did it take for all the talk that, oh, now Harbaugh's moving on, Harbaugh's taking an NFL job, Harbaugh's doing this, Harbaugh's doing that, now that Meyer's gone? You know, last week, Jared said death taxes and John Beeline winning 20 games for Michigan basketball. I think it's the same <laughs> thing, death taxes and Jim Harbaugh's name coming up for every <laughs> NFL coaching vacancy. I think Michigan fans are going to have to deal with this as long as Harbaugh is the head coach of their team. Yeah, I, it, It's just funny to me, too, that everyone who obviously who, who doesn't like Michigan or whatever doesn't like Harbaugh says he's overrated, can't win big games, he's overpaid, everything like that. But everyone thinks that he'd be a perfect candidate for their NFL team. So it, it's like, you know, are you just saying he can't coach in the college game, but he's still a great NFL coach? You know, it, it's just, it's kind of annoying, actually. Well, yeah, and it's like Chris Carter. Well, what's he know? Of course he's a Buckeye. He's going to spread that kind of garbage, right? But th- that was the latest thing. Oh, yeah, he's going to Green Bay or he's going to Cleveland. Well, the funny thing that he said was he's potentially trying to yeah. get out of Michigan. Like, what the hell does that even mean? <laughs> potentially trying to get out of Michigan. But, yeah, that's what people are saying. Like, is this uh, Carter, you know, an Ohio State alum? Is this, like, him trying to let recruits know that Harbaugh might be on the way out or something like that. Like no I saw doubt. some people saying that Harbaugh needs to come out and like set the set the record straight and say, I am not leaving Michigan. And I'm kinda like, why he's probably telling recruits this. So like who does he need to like pander to? The fans who like need to hear that he's gonna stay at Michigan? That shouldn't matter. He's probably going to every recruit, telling every recruit he's staying at Michigan. And to me that's all that matters. I don't know about you guys. No, I hundred percent agree. I, I agree with you a hundred percent, but I think this really, really put punches a nerve with you, Matt. Pinches a nerve with you. And am I wrong in saying that? You've been tweeting about it a good amount. The hardball going to Michigan or to the yeah, NFL? Uh, yeah, to the NFL. Every time it pops up every year, I notice that you you go you go a little bit more you're a little bit more prevalent on my timeline in your hatred of that. <laughs> it's like it's like a snowball effect. Like it used to, I kind of laugh at it. Now this is like. I don't know. This is like a huge, giant snowball now because it is starting to really bug me. Like, and it doesn't like seriously bug me. I don't really care that much. But like, just that every, I mean, it's it's like twelve teams. People have been saying that he's going to coach for in the NFL. And it's like, why why are people so obsessed with Jim Harbaugh going back to the NFL? And why do people make everything about Michigan? Like, it's my thing. It's like the whole little brother thing, like with Michigan State. Everything they do, like, somehow it always has to, like, come back to Michigan, whether it's good or bad. With this Urban Meyer thing, everyone's making it about Michigan. Why can't you just talk about Urban Meyer and his career, national championships he won and everything, but everyone starts talking about Harbaugh. And, like, that was the first thing people said. Urban Meyer retires. Who's the happiest guy? Jim Harbaugh. Oh, yeah. why, Why do people always have to talk about Michigan with this? Exactly. Well, they're always going to be intertwined. Can I ask you guys this? Like, why do you think it was now that Urban decided to sort of step down? Why do you think it wasn't before the season? Like, what do you think was his breaking point? Do you think it actually was health, or do you think it was sort of the whole investigation before the season? My personal opinion, just for what it is, I mean, I I saw some of the clips again of him on the sideline, you know, clutching his head. I mean, he he has a health issue. There's no doubt about it. I forget what it's called. Is it is it like benign tumors in his in his head? 
he has a, a cyst on his brain. Okay, that can't be good. He and he's got to get he's got to get it taken care of one way or the other. And it's it's brought on from what I've read from stressful situations. And I noticed it in the Maryland game. There was a couple other games where he was clutching his head. Uh, I I think that was the number one factor. I mean, his family and his wife, you know, they had to be in his ear. Don't you don't you guys think? That Michigan game probably didn't add a whole lot of stress to whatever situation he has going on because they were up by 30 the whole time, it seemed like. but He didn't clutch his head I, in that game. I, yeah, I, th- I think health is definitely an issue, but I think they also they had a guy waiting in Ryan Day that they think is perfectly capable, ready to step in. So kind of like with Bob Stutz at, at Oklahoma with Lincoln Riley waiting, it was like a, it was the perfect situation for him to step down, and they have this offensive coordinator that's the hot up and coming coach. So you know, and he he's seven and zero against Michigan. So why not? Yeah, I'm glad to hear you say that, Matt, because it seems like Michigan fans think that this is going to be like a cakewalk. Like this guy's no scrub of a coach. Like, yeah, like you said, I think that it is partially because they knew they had a coach in waiting. That's why they did this. Now, I mean. He's been a part of two of the best like college coaching trees or college coaches in the last in the twentieth century and Chip Kelly and Urban Meyer. He's worked with both of them. But the thing that kinda I think is the real reason that Urban is gone, I think it more is has to do with his family. I remember when I read his book Above the Line, the reason he retired the first time from Florida was because like at his daughter's grad high school graduation graduation, she completely like roasted him in front of everyone. Like I hardly see you but Aww. but like I think you care. It was like something like that. Ted, do you think that could ever happen to you as a, a grandfather? Yeah, you never know. I mean, you know, what do they say? Uh, God, family, and then job after that. I mean, family, family is pretty high up there, Jared. You know that. One of the three point podcast blows up, but that might be you at uh, your uh, grandbaby's graduation. Yeah, that's right. Well, I'll stick in here for a while, but I, but I do think that has a lot to do with it. It really does. You know, he's not that old. I think what fifty four. So. You know, I mean, he's probably probably starting to say that he wants to have more family time and stuff like that because obviously these coaches talk about, I mean, college coaching is you think that they have an off season, but really they don't they because don't. they go right into recruiting. Like Harbaugh has been on the – he hasn't been home, people have said, since since that Ohio State game basically because he got on the recruiting trail. So I can't imagine the toll that it takes on these coaches. And, I mean, you talked about the stress and stuff. And I, I just can't imagine, like, how, how – the toll that it takes on these guys doing this year-round job. How, you know, when you watch them operate, too, and that is, it's a pressure cooker job, you know, all year long, without a doubt. But I had a, I got a kick out of seeing a picture on Twitter. It was Mark D'Antonio holding up a number 20 jersey of his latest recruit that he signed. You know, he's got this smile on his face and you know, how many of those smiles do you think are just so fake? You know, they're going, Jesus Christ, I got to do this again. You know what I mean? Over and over, yeah. And same with, same with like, the TV interviews. Like, I, I think about, especially since I'm at the SEC Network down here, I mostly see all the SEC teams, I have seen the same Nick Saban interviews <laughs> hundreds of times. Just different setting, different, you know, after a different game. Like, it's got to get to a point sometimes when you have an interview or a media request that these coaches are just like, I don't have anything else to say. Like, I've, I've said any, everything that I can say. What do you want me to do? I know. One other question about Urban Meyer. Let's, let's do the, the three-man poll here. Uh, how long is it before, you know, let's say he gets his health situation cleared up. How long is it before he's back coaching? I said it. I've said it before, like, and Matt mentioned earlier. He's only 54. That's like, 
in coaching year and coach years, that's like he's like twenty five years old. Coaches coach until they're like seventy. I mean, Les Miles just got hired, yeah, and he's like sixty five years old. I would give it five, five, ten years. He's gonna make a comeback maybe in like ten years, sort of like a John Gruden type thing. Big old contract that he just can't turn down. I I think it's gonna be less than that. I think uh, I think he'll probably take a two year sabbatical and and will be back coaching a big time program three years from now, and maybe even in the NFL. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I think he'll take a couple years and yeah, maybe get the health stuff situated or whatever. Do some do some TV for a couple years, and uh, I don't know what what program will come up. Maybe when Saban retires, he'll step right into Alabama oh. and keep that dynasty rolling. Oh. Who knows? Oh my. Well, one thing we do know for sure. I mean, we're not big Urban Meyer fans, but the guy is a hell of a coach, isn't he? Yeah, he's an all-timer. He's one of the best coaches ever. I love to hate him. I love to hate him. I love to play against him. Well, that's enough about Urban Meyer, but let's look at the bowl games. I wanted to get your guys' opinion about this. I mean, Matt, you're the TV guy, right? I mean, ESPN, we got 40 bowl games. I mean, I don't even want to go down the list of the names of some of these, including the Cheez-It Bowl, but uh, looking at the bowl games, things have changed a little bit from when I was younger. I mean, we had the New Year's Day games, and we had a few other bowl games, but we had nowhere near 40. And here's how I look at it. There's, there's nine games... I looked at the whole list of 40. There's nine games I'll flip on but won't be glued to. Mostly, you know, like Eastern Michigan, Western Michigan. I'll I'll check out those games. There's only six bowl games that are must-see TV for me. And in 25 games, I don't care. What are are your guys' thoughts on that? I guess I'm kind of in the same boat. I mean... It, there there ends up being some fun matchups, you know, there ends up being some exciting games, a ton of scoring or, you know, maybe some crazy plays and stuff like that. But, like, games that you're going to sit down from kickoff to the end of the game and watch, yeah, there probably is only six, seven, eight, something like that. So it's a lot. Uh, you know, I think it's more just it's, it's an experience for the kids to go wherever. You get some cool matchups. They get some swag from whatever the, the sponsor is. And it's one more game for the coaches to get with their, their players. So, you know, I, I don't really have a problem with it. It makes a ton of money for ESPN, um, so you can look at it that way. But, but yeah, there, there are some matchups, though, that especially some of the early bowls, that they're almost not interesting at all. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I, I threw in the TV thing. It, it really wasn't a knock at you because ESPN, why wouldn't they be all over it? The only reason that there are so many games, they have the corporate sponsors like Dollar General, okay? They throw some big bucks at it because they get their name plastered all over the place. And then also the people that put on the bowls, they get quite a bit of TV money too, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, they get, you know, everyone kind of does. So whoever's putting on the bowl, the yeah. teams that are going, they get money. So there, there's a ton of money involved. So that's, I mean, let's be honest, that's the biggest thing with all these bowls is the money. No doubt. The thing that really pisses me off about this year's batch of games is just, like we said, there's not really any big-time matchups that I'm really, like, clamoring to watch, you know, other than maybe outside the college football playoff. Like, for Michigan versus Florida, this is, like, the third time in, like, three years that we've played Florida. Like, I'm sick of this matchup. And in terms of, like, the Bulls, just, you know, how it's just kind of like a money grab, in regards to Michigan's game, like the Peach Bowl, like, it's just, like, the fakest, like, BCS Bowl ever. They came, they created it when they started the college football playoff. Like, the Peach Bowl, it's not real. Like, it's not the Rose Bowl, it's not the Sugar Bowl, it's not the Fiesta Bowl. Like, it's just a fake BCS Bowl, and I just feel like a lot of these games don't have meaning. That's why players are sitting out, like we've talked about. No, that's yeah. one of the games you'll watch, though, right? Yeah, it is, but that's just because I'm a Michigan fan. Sure. I mean, the other games I would watch is Michigan State-Oregon, obviously. 
Uh, LSU UCF intrigues me a little bit. I'd probably watch that whole thing. And again, we're, I'm moving all the way to New Year's Day, and then the then the semifinal games. That's about it. Yeah, and I think it's one of the like I remember. I don't know about you guys, but I remember, especially in college, you know, when you get off for winter break, like the second week of December or whatever, and you know, it's it's mid December and you're just chilling at your parents' house or whatever, and there's some some random bowl like Boise State versus like. I don't even know, like Missouri or something like that. You know, you might flip it on and watch for a little bit just because it's football, you know. Yeah. But, you know, as far as, like, yeah, like must-watch TV type thing, there's not much. Because even that that MSU-Oregon game, you know, yeah, obviously Michigan State fans and some other uh, Michigan fans are going to watch it. But that matchup isn't, like, all that intriguing because Oregon isn't what they used to be. So, I mean, I don't know. It's the Red Box Bowl. Do you think the players get, like, lifetime subscriptions <laughs> to Red Box or something? <laughs> Well, and then the other thing in in these games, these bowl games, which really has become a trend, uh, probably within the last ten or fifteen years, the the top draft choices elect to sit out. What are what are your guys' thoughts on that? Something I just kind of want to throw out there that kind of cracks me up is I love how you. I can tell that you already went through and picked the games that you DVR'd. Like that's why you knew, know what games you're going to watch because you had to set your DVR to make sure you didn't miss any of them. All right, all right, young but, man. A little respect for your elders. <laughs> that's that's going a little too far now. Am I wrong there though, or no? I'm not going to DVR them. Are you kidding me? <laughs> but anyway, I have absolutely no problem with Rashawn Gary sitting out. No problem at all. Like, if you're not in the college football playoff or maybe the Rose Bowl, I would maybe say that I'd have a problem if someone sat out of the Rose Bowl if you're from the Big Ten. But if you're in any of these other games, and like I said, it's a fake BCS bowl game as it is. No one really cares. Those Michigan fans don't care. I really don't think the players care. I felt like I cared more in the Michigan-Ohio State game than they did. But no, just sit out. No, no need to risk an injury. Sit out of the game. Go to the NFL. I loved having you as a Michigan Wolverine, but goodbye. Yeah, I'm basically in the same spot. Uh, Dan Leach, he's a reporter for 97.1 The Ticket in Detroit. He said he put out an article and said something like right shortly after Rashawn Gary announced it and said that just this is another addition to the disturbing trend of players starting to sit out bowls. And he basically was bashing it. And, you know, it, it's just one of those things like, so I tweeted out from the Three Point Pod Twitter page that the disturbing thing is people like him judging these kids for making a decision that is going to better their career, better their future, and it's their decision. It's not our decision. It's not a reporter's decision. It's not even really the coaches. Or, you know, it's no one's decision but that kid. And it's disturbing to me that people get, like, mad and judge these guys for doing it because if you look at it this way, why does anyone go to college? Jared, why are you going to college? You're going to college to get an education, to better your yourself, better prepare yourself for your future career. Exactly uh, what Rashawn Gary girls. has already oh, done. Wait. Rashawn Gary has already really made himself a first-round draft pick, set himself up to make millions of dollars. He's already better, bettered himself for his future career. So w- what is the point of him playing one more game? Uh, you know, and this might surprise you, Jared, but uh, I agree with both of you. I mean, I've come around. When it first started becoming a trend, I wasn't too happy with it. But now that we've evolved into the whole national championship tournament, these bowl games mean mean shit to me nowadays. You know, maybe, like you said, the Rose Bowl, but they, they don't mean anything to me. Now, here's the question. Okay, we're talking about the bowl games. Would you have the same opinion – 100% same opinion if they were in the Final Four and elected not to play in either one of those games? Now, that, no, that would I, be different. If, if Yeah, if Michigan made the, the college football playoff and Rashawn Gary decided not to play, again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't judge him because it, it's his career. I, as a fan, though, I would be kind <laughs> of upset. 
you know, because he's obviously one of the best defensive linemen in the country. So, of course, we would want him on the field for the playoffs. Well, that's the problem, boys. See, we've talked about expanding the playoffs, whether it's eight or 16 teams. If you're not playing for a national championship, yeah, these bowl games are all just fine and dandy. They get to go have their their meat-eating contest and enjoy the sun and the fun, but they don't mean anything. And and I 100% agree with you. You go to college to, to set up your lifetime career, and these guys that are going to play in the NFL, they've done all they can accomplish. Why risk injury? I mean, ask what was the name of that Michigan tight end that got got uh, his knee blown out in a bowl game? Yeah, Jake Butt. Jake Butt. Yeah, that, that cost him some some bucks. Yep. Yeah, and I mean, they're obviously you know everyone's different. You know, some people they would want that one more game with guys they've been playing you know in college for you know two, three, four years or whatever. You want to get that one more game, so you can see it from both sides. Sure. But I don't think anyone should be judging these guys for making that decision because who, who are we to judge them for what they the decision they make for their career? It's not, it's not our career. There you go. And the, the other way to look at it, too, is I think, like, you could look at this, especially the Peach Bowl, like Jared said. The Peach Bowl is kind of a joke. I mean, it's a big game, you know, whatever. But you can look at this as, like, this is almost like preseason for next year. Like, you could look at it as, let's get these young guys some reps. Let's get these freshmen and sophomore some legit reps in a, in a big game against a good team going into spring ball. Like, let's get some of these guys some real reps and see what they can do. That's how it's evolved, isn't it? Yeah. That really is. That's a great point, Matt, because really the thing that the coaches love the most about being in a bowl game is just the ability to practice, you know, for a whole another like, two, three weeks. Right. And then uh, just I kind of want to get your guys' thoughts real quick on what did you guys think of just the whole, you know, the top four? Did you agree with it with Bama going against Clemson and then uh, – no, excuse me, Bama going against Oklahoma and then Clemson going against Notre Dame? Did you agree with how they seeded it? I, I was okay with it. I, I honestly felt the way Ohio State was playing at the end of the year had a legitimate claim to be in there. I was okay with where they seeded it, though. Yeah, kind of the same. I think, you know, the biggest discussion was Ohio State and Oklahoma, but – Hard to get over that Purdue putting a whooping on Ohio State, you know. Yeah. Oklahoma's only loss was to a, a pretty good Texas team, so, you know, I, really no issue with it. I, I do hope that Notre Dame gets their butts whipped because I'm, I'm sick of them not playing in a conference. I get it's not required. They don't need to. But them sitting at home last weekend, watching Georgia almost win that game, watching yeah. all that other stuff go on, knowing they were going to make the playoff, just seemed a little dirty. You stole the words right out of my my, my mouth, Matt. When I was watching the uh, selection show, uh, they're they're interviewing Brian Kelly, right? And he's talking about they're asking him like about chores, you know, Reese Davis's buttering about these like chores questions, laughing at these jokes that aren't even funny. He explains how the hardest thing he had to do on Saturday was clean off his perni- uh, patio furniture and move <laughs> it into the garage for the winter. It had six inches of snow on it. Like, yeah, it's kind of funny. But it's like this is in the middle of a of a bloodbath. Like this is in the middle of a bloodbath between Georgia and Bama, where they're fighting for their lives. Yep. And you got Brian Kelly sitting there cleaning off patio furniture. Probably what Ted did over the weekend. Uh, not quite that. I was I was getting out Christmas uh, decorations for my wife to put up. How about that? <laughs> and then I, sorry, I got to go on a tangent, guys. Oh, this is another thing that pissed me off about the selection show is they interviewed Dabo Sweeney. And he, he has a quote about the pizza, you know, oh, we're a low-budget program. Yeah, okay, you're a low-budget program. Look behind you, you have water slides in your <laughs> locker rooms. Like, you're not that low-budget here. I did think that was funny. I think that facility cost them, like, $50 million or something like that. So, yeah, yeah. Make, making a joke about low-budget, sure. 
you guys got me going on this Notre Dame Clemson game now. I can't wait to see the uniforms between these two on the field. Like I'm looking forward to the uniform clash more than the actual like on the field play. It's going to be beautiful seeing those purple and orange jerseys clashing with Notre Dame's green and gold helmets. I love it. Uh, do you think Notre Dame's going with the green? They're going to wear their blue, aren't they? They're going to go blue and Clemson's going all white, maybe? Maybe. I hope not. I hope not, guys. Yeah, Notre Dame only brings out the green in very special occasions. I mean, I would think the playoff would be a pretty special occasion. Well, they might save it for a national championship game, maybe. That's true. That's true. <laughs> All right. I guess oh, there was only one other thing I was going to ask you about the bowl games. You know, again, back to 40 of them. We know there's a lot of TV money. Do you think there's, and that, this is kind of directed at Jared, our resident bookie, do you think that there's a lot of it because of the of the gambling factor? I think so, too. I think so, 100%, yes. The thing that I have noticed this year is I've been invited to, like, five different bowl mania, like, pick them, like, buy your way in, winner takes all things. And it just doesn't get my blood going. Like, I just, I'm not really into the whole bowl pick them type stuff, which I think is the majority of where, like, not necessarily Vegas, because you can't really place a bet on that in Vegas, but just sort of the casual better. That's what they're going to do. Right. And it just, it I don't know, it's just nothing like, uh, just like March Madness or something like that. So I do think that it is a big part of it, but I think it's majority is like the big sponsors that actually sponsor these bowl games. Well, yeah, and you've you've seen it because you know it just used to be the Rose Bowl, and they at least dug in and said the Rose Bowl presented by AT and T. But all these other ones, like I mentioned, the Cheez-It Bowl and some of these other ones, it's just annoying to me. I mean, the I, Red Box Bowl, Potato Bowl, <laughs> right? I mean, I, and I get it. I'm in sales. I understand it, but yep. it is annoying. The Red Box Bowl. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Like, it's kind of like all the ballparks now. Like it used to just yeah. be, you know, Tiger Stadium, Fenway Park, Tiger Stadium. Now it's Comerica Park and PNC Park and all that. Yeah. And it's really crazy when they change. You know, I remember when when Cleveland built theirs, it was the Jake. You know, Jacobs, and then uh, now all of a sudden they got a different sponsor and it's a whole different ballpark name. I can't keep oh. up. I'd have to work at ESPN to keep up on that stuff. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right, guys, that's enough on college football for this week. Other than, oh, I did I did want to bring this out. I don't think we talked about it in the last pod. That uh, that Alabama and Georgia game and, and Jalen Hurts, I mean, how incredible was that? It was awesome. And, you know, it's uh, like Kelly Bryant, who was, he was the quarterback for Clemson. He, he transferred. Now he, he picked Missouri. It's one of those things where, like, you never know. Like, if he would have stayed at Clemson, he maybe he would have got a shot if Trevor Lawrence right. goes down. But Jalen Hurts, Hurts, cool on him not to transfer because he just had a huge moment. And I was pulling for Alabama. I was pulling for Hurts. I can't believe I was, but I was, and I wasn't alone. So you're in favor of Alabama. you got Jake Fromm, who's just an all-American kid. You have these Georgia fans who have just been craving after last year's heartbreaking loss. You're sitting there rooting for Nick Saban and the five national title Alabama team that just won it last year. I know it's bad. I, w- I wasn't. I was. I was rooting for Jalen Hurts. That's what I was rooting for. Period. I mean, the kid stuck it out, and he didn't shit his pants. He came in there and, and he he performed. He was ready to play, and he led them to the win. I mean, that's a that's a movie right there. We were watching, boys. Yeah, sounds like a Disney movie in the making. Yeah. It just cracked me up how as soon like Georgia had a really good read on Tua, and then it's it's two years in a row. As soon as the new quarterback comes in, everything falls off the rails for him. Yeah, and, and you were right about Fromm. I mean, he he's a big time quarterback, and he he had a heck of a game. Lions fans starting to say the Lions should draft another Georgia quarterback in a couple of years. Oh boy, here we go. <laughs> it's hilarious because he's the same age as me, and he's out there playing against Bama. Like I would be pooping my like I poop my pants when I'm. 
placing an order at a restaurant. Like, I can't imagine <laughs> being out there going against Bama. Or, or talking to a girl at Save-A-Lot, but that's another story. Yep, very true. All right, all right, let's end our football segment. I just want to tell our listeners again about Rivals Tap House and Grill. That's the local spot to meet up with your friends, catch your favorite sporting events on their 21 big-screen TVs, all kinds of weekly food and drink specials. All these bowl games coming up. Stop on in to Rivals. Uh, great burgers, wings, and pizza. That's Rivals Tap House and Grill located on the corner of Shiawassee at M21 in Corona. All right, next up on the pod, we got a couple of very special guests. We have Noah Jacobs, one of our favorites here. And uh, ironically enough, his brother today just named for the second time Argus Press Runner of the Year. Noah had that distinction three different times. That's really impressive. But uh, even more impressive is a 2018 NCAA cross-country champion. And we got his buddy over at Wisconsin, Morgan McDonald, on the line as well. Hello, gentlemen. How's it going? Thanks well, for having us. It's going good, and we definitely want to want to get into your brains about uh, big-time running. Let's let Jared start this part off. So for those who don't know uh, Morgan, he's actually from Australia originally. So what I want to ask you is what was the transition like coming from Australia to the United States, and, and what might have been the hardest part of that? That's a good question. I mean, when you're uh, you know going from high school into college, it's already such a big transition, but then also coming all the way from Australia, it is a it is a massive change, and uh, in particular for the sport of running, you know, like there's so much stuff that affects that. In terms of the actual training and stuff, though, you know, I kind of chose a place that wasn't too dissimilar uh, from what I was used to back in Australia, so that transition wasn't really too bad, I would say, but it was more just, you know, um, just all the general life stuff. A lot of the same, like, problems that a normal... Uh, American college student would have, I would say, to be honest. It's kind of just, you know, learning to be responsible and all that type of stuff. Can you sort of explain, like, how that works? So I know, like, for basketball players, like, if you're really good and you play basketball in Canada, like, you're going to come over to the United States. Is this something where if you're a really good runner in Australia, like, you're going to go to college in the United States? Is that how that works? Yeah, so it's uh, it's the trend right now. It's As an Australian, it's not the only option, but... I would say that it's probably the best option because, uh, you know, the sport of running doesn't have quite the money uh, that some other sports have, especially in Australia. So if you are, like, a fresh out of high school and you're trying to make it as a pro runner, you're not really going to get too much support, like, at that age in Australia unless you're really, really good. So uh-huh. um, if you really want to, like, I think college, and it's like this for a lot of sports, it's kind of like the best like bridge to that gap to get to kind of the next stage in uh, in the sport, I would say. You know, Morgan, looking at your resume, I mean, obviously kudos for being the NCAA national champion in cross country, but you were also the Australian national champion in the 5,000 meters, the 2017 uh, you were world championship qualifier, six Big Ten titles, you know, Wisconsin's become a running dynasty. Uh, when it's all said and done and you're, you're finished with your education or even finished with this year, I'm not sure what your future plans are, but I would assume you're, you're going to try and make an Australian Olympic team. Yeah, uh, that's always the goal. That's, um, that's been my dream for a long time. So, uh, yeah, definitely 2020 Tokyo. Uh, and it's, like, that's kind of my medium goal right now is to try to qualify for that team for sure. Now, what do you have to do, uh, you know, to qualify in Australia here in the United States, obviously they have the uh, U.S. Championships and, and and they assign their squad there. Is it pretty much the same thing in Australia? It's a similar uh, process. 
Australia isn't quite as deep, so we have uh, like qualification standards, like a certain time that you have to hit. And if you run quick enough in that, like that'll, uh, it's a bit more up to selectors' discretion. So if you do well enough in other races, you can still get selected. But we do also have a trials race which is pretty important. And, uh, like, if you win that and you have the qualification time, you're automatically selected. So it's pretty similar. I wanted to ask uh, Noah this the last time we had you on, Noah. But uh, for both of you guys, if you want to talk about it, you know, Ted, you talked about Noah's accolades in high school, and obviously, Morgan, you probably had a ton also growing up. I'm curious how humbling it is or what it feels like to basically be the best of the best when, you know, you're at the high school level and then you go to college, even though you're highly recruited and everything, and you kind of become like a small fish in a big pond or the ocean or whatever you want to say. And then all of a sudden, you know, you start having success. You're the national champion now, Morgan. But then you're talking about going on the Olympics where that's, I mean, that's the, the best of the best in the world. Like going from one level to the next, how, how do you approach that? Or how do you, is it a humbling experience? Yeah, I, I guess I'll give my two cents on that first. It's definitely humbling. Like I try to not ever get too caught up in, um, you know, being the best, like, in high school, the best in college, because for me personally, I've always had a very long-term look on it, and I've always wanted to try reach, like, the, the top, the pinnacle. So I know that I'm still really far from that, and, you know, that's always my goal, and that's always what I'm working towards. And so, you know, when I have achievements on these, um, I guess, smaller scales, it's kind of like, you know, it's a tick of a box. It feels really good. But overall, it's more just giving me more confidence that I'm going in the right direction and that things are, like, planning out, like, in the right way. And it's it's more, like, positive reinforcement to keep doing what I'm doing, I guess. Because, yeah, like, when I, when I race for the World Champs, like, I got my butt kicked. So if you ever think that, like, you know, you're, you're good, uh, then you go race guys like that, you find out pretty quick that, you know, you still got a lot to learn. Yeah, and I'll put mine in off of that as well. Coming from Corona, and, you know, it just seemed like I couldn't really do anything wrong in high school, and I was just beating people all over the place. And then you step into a new place, and even just on the the team here at Wisconsin, I was probably in the bottom half when I got in, and there's just so much to learn every day. And, I mean, it's crazy to have someone like Morgan on a team with you where you can learn so much from them and just try and find out so many new things along with, knowing how far along he's come as well from when he was in high school. And, uh, I mean, a lot of guys on the team have some great input and insight, but I'm so far away from so many of the guys on the team and so many different guys in just college athletics in general as well. So it's a super humbling experience, and it makes you kind of just put your head down and work hard, and it makes every uh, achievement and accomplishment that much sweeter. You know, both of you guys have talked about learning. And, you know, if I'm going to play dumb for a second – uh, you know, someone might say, like, you just have to go out there and run. Like, what what do you have to learn from each of those levels that make you better other than, you know, getting stronger and faster and everything like that? Yeah, a lot of things have changed for me based on what I was doing in high school. And I focused a lot on my diet as of late, working on that, along with a lot of different muscle groups and different exercises to make sure that you are not just, someone who can run in a straight line that you have the ability to have other muscles to like help you run in a straight line better and just be able to stay injury free is one of the hardest things to learn how to do and there's just yeah there's honestly so many different things to learn about like training strategies racing strategies all across the board 
like you think you know a lot about running and then it's like you kind of got to change and adapt and learn new things and I'm sure Morgan will tell you different stuff but I think like the biggest thing for me is just like focusing on what I eat and especially recovering like rolling out stretching after runs and making sure that you get your body reset where in high school I just get back like change my shoes and my clothes and then drive home and there wasn't a lot else to it yeah I, I would say like the thing with running it might seem simple um, but as you get better and the competition gets better uh, you know the pressure increases uh, the intensity of your training increases it all just gets harder and it's easy to think that you know, it might be like a straight line of improvement. Like, if I train this hard, I'm going to be this good. And if I train this much harder, I'm going to be that much better. But that's just not the reality. It's just a lot more complicated than that. And so there's just so many things along the way that can trip you up. And uh, especially like injury. Injury is a massive one. So it's kind of just like working out like how you can train like as hard as you possibly can while still staying healthy. And uh, that's just such an individual process for everyone because everyone's different. So it's so hard to figure that stuff out. And that's really where you do have to, I think, uh, put a lot of effort into learning all these different things and trying out all these different methods just so that you can really find what works out for you the best. So here's a question for Morgan. Uh, obviously, you've had a lot of accomplishments in your day. I mean, you're 2018 NCAA uh, champion and the 2018 Australian uh, national champion in the 5,000-meter can I, which, which of those two means more to you? And can you describe the feeling you had when you won uh, that race? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a tough question. Um, they both are like, you know, the two best races of my life and such amazing feelings. But uh, if I had to stack them up against each other, like I would have to say that the, uh, the cross-country one here at Wisconsin was the best just because it just had so much going into it, like because – you know, the race was here in Madison. We were hosting it. Like, I'd known that we were going to host it for, like, three, two or three years leading up to it. It was just, like, a focus of our training for, like, so long. And, you know, when it happened, the experience was just so amazing. Like, the atmosphere with the crowd there, just so many Badger fans. And, um, you know, it was just, like, it was just, like, came together so nicely. And to be able to do it in front of, uh, like, here at home in Madison – because uh, I'm in my fifth year here, and I, I love it here so much. And I'm so thankful for uh, everything that, like, this university and all the people here have done for me. So to be able to kind of give back in a way and, like, make all these people happy and make some of them proud, like, it, it was just so special. So, you know, every win is awesome, but that one was, like, you know, it's, it was hard to top that. How hard has it been to be away from family, you know, for so- – for such long periods of time that's something that you know is definitely a struggle but something that i've gotten pretty good at like we catch up over you know skype or whatever Mm -hmm. on a regular basis but to me i've been really lucky like when i came in here as a freshman we had a big freshman class and so i had so many friends straight away and it was kind of just like a big family and then you know you have like the coaches and stuff to help you out if you ever need it I would say, like, having that support here has uh, has been so helpful for me in that regard. Um, yeah, without that, I think it would have been a lot tougher. But, you know, I love all the people here, so it's awesome being here. Here's a generic question for you. What what do you find to be the biggest difference between life in Australia and life in the United States, including uh, Madison, Wisconsin, in the Midwest? Yeah, it, it's hard. There's, there's a lot of differences, like, 
Um, a pretty standard answer is just the food. Like the food's just a little bit different here, and uh, that's something that I had to get used to, especially like freshman year when you live in the dorms. Like every meal is is uh, at like the the cafeteria type thing that they have. So that was something that I had never experienced before. Um, freshman year, I remember I was like, man, everyone works so hard here. Like I felt like I was so busy all the time. So that was kind of different. But yeah, mostly it's kind of the food. But there's there's so many like little differences that like uh, it's it's pretty fun. It's pretty cool to just like be in a different place and notice all these different things. And how about you, Noah? So, the the change from small town Corona now that you've been in, in Madison now for a couple of years. Yeah, it's definitely it was crazy. And my first class on campus was a 432 person lecture, <laughs> and Jared and I graduated in a class of 144 people. So that was super eye opening. Definitely the amount of work I'm doing outside of the classroom, and obviously the school day is longer in high school, but the amount of stuff I'm having to do at home or go to a library and do different things like that has been a, a huge change of change of pace. And just, yeah, being away from family is hard, like and not as far away as Morgan is, and I get to see my folks more often, which is really, really nice. But it's definitely a, a huge change. I mean, both sets of my grandparents are – in the Shiawassee County area, so I saw them a lot, and it was really hard, just like Morgan said, like all the typical things that American students go through, and like learning to cook for yourself every day, and make sure you get in the bed at the right time when there's no one like telling you that you should be doing this, like you just have to know, and making sure you're, you're waking up early for your early classes, or if you need to do a morning workout, and trying to fuel properly, and all these different little things going into it, so there's just so many more people here, and like Every day I see someone I've never seen before, even though, like, every week is pretty similar for me and going to the same class sets and things like that. So there's so many people to meet. There's so many different professors, subject areas, classes that, like, I didn't even think were a real thing coming from Corona. And, you know, there's a lot of a lot of good things I think I can learn. And, like, whether I come back to Michigan or I get a job somewhere else, like, I think this is a, a great experience and was a great choice for me to – leave Michigan and go a little bit farther away from home and kind of expand my comfort zone. So obviously you guys are both loving it there at Wisconsin, but this might be a little bit more centralized toward Oregon. Like, why Wisconsin with the foot of snow? Why are you not at, like, UCLA or, like, Florida or something? Why was it Wisconsin? That's a good question. Like, when I – I remember when I was uh, making my decision and I, like, I was telling people, like – I mean, in Australia, people don't even know, like, what Wisconsin is, but then when I told them that like there was like snow and stuff, people people are like, "What are you doing? Like you should be going to California." But uh, you know that's that's one factor. I would say a smaller factor. Um, the reason that I came here was when I came on my visit here. I really liked the coaches. Um, I really liked the team, and I, I do like the town of Madison a lot. So um, when you put those factors together, I just kind of felt like this is a place that would be the best for me. Just as a person and that I'd have the the best opportunities to kind of make the best of myself and um yeah haven't really looked back it's it's always so fun being here I gotta know about the 22-hour flight how how is that yeah um the thing is if you're from Australia like everywhere is pretty far away and uh I was lucky enough that my family would go on like vacations when I was younger so I got used to it a bit uh but it's still not fun. Like, it's the long flight and then the big time change, which really knocks you around for, like, five days. 
So that that does suck every time. The one thing I will say is that the planes are a lot more comfortable than your standard like domestic flight here in the U.S. So you got like nicer seats, and they have a good selection of movies. And the food is actually like, I mean, I don't know if everyone would agree with me on this, but I actually like the food on these flights. Uh, so they kind of they look after you a lot more, and they they definitely put a lot of effort into making it a, a better experience. So speaking of food, this is something I've always wanted to ask somebody that's Australian. Uh, have you ever eaten at a Outback Steakhouse, and is that what food is like in Australia? <laughs> okay, no, I I I didn't think I would ever actually go there, but then uh, with one of my teammates this year, I finally went and tried one, and it was like it was so overwhelming, just like reading the menu and just like all the stuff on there, like none of. None of, like, the, the names Aussie for us? meals, like, make any sense. Like, they're just chucking in all these random Australian words. And uh, it's definitely not similar to, like, Australian food at all. Like, it, it's not bad, but it's just, like, it just really had nothing, like, really to do with Australia. What about Tim Tams? Are Tim Tams good? Uh, Tim Tams are the best. Um, I just finished off a packet last night. So you're telling me that the Aussie fries that they have on their menu are not an Australian food? Or the bloomin' onion? <laughs> yeah, I had never even I had never even heard of these things till I came here. <laughs> How about Vegemite? Uh, I do love Vegemite. That's a very controversial topic. Um, I think it's one of those things that you kind of have to grow up with because it's such a specific flavor and it's so strong. So I love it. Like my mom used to put on my sandwiches for lunch every day. So, but I can totally understand why. Like if it's if you're trying it for the first time, uh, it can be a bit off-putting. So, and this is probably right up there. What's, like, the most annoying thing that people, like, just say to you? Like, since you're Australian, like, do, like, do they give you, like, an Australian accent? And maybe just us asking all these questions is maybe yeah. annoying in itself. <laughs> but <laughs> no, I'm curious. Right. Um, I don't mind it. Probably, as an Australian, the most annoying thing is if, someone mistakes our accent for being a British accent <laughs> because cause we have like, you know, a big rivalry with them and stuff. And it's like, if you're, if you're Australian, like the accent sounds so different. So it's, from our perspective, it's like, how can you make that mistake? Uh, I can understand it though, but yeah, that kind of, that might rub us the wrong way a little. <laughs> I've got one more question for you guys. I'm just curious to hear what you guys have to say, what your opinions are. It's a completely different sport, and the, the, the professional scene is obviously completely different. But in college football, it's starting to become a trend, like with, with Rashawn Gary and some of these other guys that are they're going to be going to the NFL and they're skipping their bowl game to get ready for the draft. I'm just curious where you guys stand as high-level, you know, uh, college athletes. You know, do you, do you see where they're coming from and skipping the bowl game and getting ready for the draft in their professional career, or do you think they should? you know, maybe finish it out and, and play that last game. Yeah, so obviously <clears throat> I don't really know that much about football. I know a little bit, but, um, I mean, when I look at, like, these college football players, like, I mean, like, the the amount of, like, money and stuff that they're bringing in, like, how much value they're worth, and they're, like, not getting paid. Uh, I mean, they get looked after well, but, like, I'm always, like, so thankful for them because, Without them, like, our sport doesn't exist in college, if that makes sense. Like, the yeah. reason we have a big budget is because of the football team. And so I'm just like, these guys, like, are doing so much for their schools and all that. And, uh, like, I guess it, like, I can see how people would get annoyed by that. But at some point, like, they're, they're going to be like, yeah, like, we want to, we got to protect our, 
interests. Like they're, they're devoting their whole lives to this. So I can I can see where they're coming from. Like I don't know if in that position I would do that because I I can't really see how at that point in your college career you wouldn't have like such strong loyalty to your team. Um, I think it'd be so hard to like not compete for your team in such a big game. But yeah, on the other hand, I can I think like they deserve like all the looking after that they can get like at that point pretty much. So I can see where they're coming from. I'm not, like, a huge fan of it. Like, you have one more game. Obviously, like, there's a risk of injury there. But in a way of looking at it, that would be, like, if you had committed to college, just, like, not participating in your last football game, race, whatever it might be in high school. So it would have been, like, me just saying, oh, man, I'm starting to get pretty tired. Like, maybe I should just skip the state meet. Like, I'm already going to college somewhere, something like that. And obviously it's way different because – there's a lot of money and different pressures on the line for those guys. But, I mean, I just think one more game, like, with your team, and you would have to have a close bond. Like, I have such a close bond with all the guys that are here, and I still have a close bond with all the guys that I ran with at Corona that it just seems like going out there for one last time would be it'd be so glorious, especially for someone like Rashawn Gary. If you guys – they could go out and win a big bowl game and – like, kind of end on a higher note than losing that Ohio State game. Like, I don't know why you wouldn't go out and do it, but they all have their own reasons, and you have to respect them in some ways. But personally, I wouldn't have done that. Yeah, I agree to disagree with, with uh, you on that one, Noah. But I, I got a good question here for Noah, and it's actually a two-parter. Um, first off, like, what do you think the biggest lesson you have learned from, you know, just sort of watching Morgan's work ethic and that sort of stuff? And do you have a funny story? And the second part of that is, do you have a funny story you could share about Morgan? <laughs> Yeah, I think the largest thing I've learned from Morgan's work ethic is that a lot of little things turn into a big thing. So whether that's diet, rolling out, stretching, treating your body right, preparing for runs before, all these little things that you can do to make yourself better end up turning into a big thing and can be a big reason as to why you can make that next jump in our sport. And, ooh, a funny story with Morgan. I would say... Probably playing, like, shower soccer or just, like, <laughs> room games with Morgan. And, you know, he's he's one to sometimes, like, start it and encourage it, and other times someone else will, and he'll get into it anyways. And it's just, uh, it's always a fun time to be around. And, you know, it's never never afraid to kick a ball around in the showers and try and try and hit somebody with it. So, I mean, that's always <laughs> a good time and just a good good way once in a while to like kind of take your mind off all the stress of school and running and stuff so i'd say that's probably one of my best favorite stories as an australian does he dominate uh the soccer games actually morgan's just a really good all-around athlete we haven't played any uh any like specific soccer games maybe like one time i mean he's always when we play wiffle ball up at camp he was one of the like higher round picks most of the time he's pretty good at basketball and the few times i've played with him in basketball like, I know he's pretty good at soccer. I've never really seen him in, like, a real game. Like, he can throw and catch a football well. Just, like, athletically, he's really inclined. And it's not just, like, oh, he's from Australia. He's really good at soccer. Like, he is good at soccer, but he's really good at a lot of things that, like, a normal, like, athlete here growing up is just like, oh, your parents signed you up to do all these different sports. Like, he's really good at all those sports as well, so... All right, before we wrap up this segment, fellas, uh, I have a question for both of you. I guess I'll start with uh, with Noah. Uh, next on the horizon, 
for you there with the Badgers. What's next? Spring uh, track season and then also a follow-up to Morgan. Uh, what's next for you? Yeah, so, I mean, we've got after Christmas break, we'll have indoor track will start and then outdoor track after that. So right now my biggest focus would be on outdoor track as we're going to see I'm progressing back from an injury right now. So if I'm ready to go for indoor track and I'm in good shape, then I'm going to go out there and race hard and try and have some fun and enjoy it. But if I'm not quite ready, I don't want to rush it and get hurt again. That's the last thing we want to do. So taking my time and really focusing on outdoor track right now, getting healthy, getting stronger, working on a lot of different things that I didn't work on as much before. And then I'll pass to Morgan. Yeah, so I'm in the same boat. Well, uh, for indoor track and outdoor track, I got one more semester here. So, And I got both those seasons for eligibility. So I'll be trying to win a few more individual uh, NCAA titles. But then also our coach is kind of excited about how we can do as a team. So we got some team goals for that. And then I'll, uh, so I'll graduate in uh, around June, and then I'll try to uh, see if I can become a pro runner and stuff and do all that. And there's a, there's a world chance at the end of uh, next year, so I'll be trying to do that. And then everything will be looking forward to trying to make the Olympics in 2020. Outstanding. Well, hopefully you uh, stay in touch with us uh, three-point podcasters, huh? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I've listened before. All right, excellent. Any guys? Any final questions? Yeah, one last question, and this is something that really I just need answered for myself personally. Uh, Morgan, do you know who like Matthew Della Vadova is? And if you do, like, how big of a name is he in Australia? He's pretty big. Like Australia, I would say when you're in Australia, not all of the American sports are that popular. Like just because, like, you know, we don't even know how football works, for example. But the NBA is, like, pretty popular in Australia. It's, I would say it's the most popular American sport. So uh, any Australian that's doing well in it, like, you know, is a, is a pretty big name. And now, you know, we have a solid Aussie team overall. So they're, they're a pretty big deal. Awesome. I love Matthew Delanova personally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask you guys real quick, just before we uh, sign off. I don't know. Is it something that you guys – are going to do at some point, maybe when your college or potentially your professional careers are done, like running the New York City Marathon, the Chicago Marathon, you know, some of those bigger marathons in the U.S., is that something you guys might do? Yeah, I would I would love to. Uh, I think a kind of pretty normal progression of a running career is that you start off, like, on the track with shorter distance, and then as you get older, you might move up to marathons. And so that's definitely something that I would consider doing. And... Uh, then, yeah, like if you're a pro marathoner, it's all about like trying to go and do those big marathons and do as well as possible. But, uh, yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, and when you're done, uh, Noah, with the semester, uh, run back to Corona from Madison, will you? <laughs> yeah, uh, through, the, through the UP or by Chicago? Your choice. <laughs> all right, I'm going to go to Chicago because that's like an extra 120 miles less. You do have a third choice. <laughs> you can hop on the ferry and just jog around it while it goes across the lake. That, that sounds a lot more doable. That would be that'd be interesting for sure. All right, guys. Hey, we really appreciate the time. We got the uh, NCAA 2018 Cross Country National Champion Morgan McDonald and Noah Jacobs, who knows, might be a future NCAA champion. Uh, we appreciate the time, guys, as always, and uh, go get them. Good luck. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you guys for having us on. 
Well, again, uh, thanks for our special guest there, uh, the NCAA champion, Morgan uh, McDonald of Wisconsin, and his buddy Noah Jacobs. It was always good to hear from them, and Noah Jacobs, of course, from Corona. So I'll tell you about the Corona Connection. That's a publication founded to create a platform for Corona students and students to connect. View the entire Corona Connection paper online every month at coronaconnection.com. And Noah's alma mater, the Corona Public Schools, join their winning team today. Find out why nearly 40% make it their school of choice. And I know they got the next semester signing up. So whether young or old, it's great to be gold. I just got to say, that was one hell of a segue. You're in your bag today. You're cooking with gas. <laughs> the old timer's done it a few times there, Jared. Thank you. Thank you. By the way, I want to throw this out on the table before we wrap up the show. Um, this is technically our one-year anniversary of our little 13-minute pilot test pod. <laughs> and if anybody wants to see how we have kind of evolved, or if we have evolved, why not go back to the very beginning and listen to our 13-minute pilot, which also included a segment by Jack Strap? Can you guys believe that you know we've been doing this thing now for a year? It is pretty crazy because I remember you know I I uh, I was joining the sports forum on Friday night right. and you know I started thinking about a podcast, especially when Jared was starting to join the sports forum. Mm-hmm. You know, so we all started talking about doing a podcast and stuff. So you know, with these things, you never know, like. If you're going to do a few and then it kind of starts to taper off or, you know, how, if it's going to pick up steam or whatever. But, I mean, we've talked about it off the record a few times. I think we've really started to find a find a groove, and it's, it's kind of funny to go back and listen to some of those older ones. <laughs> yeah, it is. I'm not going to lie. I thought I would have capped this at five episodes when we started. I, I'm not going <laughs> to lie. That's, how I, that's where I thought this was going. Now how do you feel? I'm just glad. I, like we said, we've all kind of gotten to know each other better. I mean, not to be sort of sentimental here, but just kind of as as my uncle, like we've I think we've kind of grown closer. And Matt, I feel like I've gained a friend in you since we started recording this. So, and I think that just kind of has translated to just better stuff, you know, recording. And we appreciate our listeners, obviously. Oh, no doubt about it. And we we certainly encourage them to share this with all their friends. Uh, Matt, you do a tremendous job with our social media, doing most of our work on that. And uh, you know, we're growing and growing on Instagram. Yeah, I mean, we're we're doing what we can. I mean, we. We all work full time, or Jared, you know, go, going to school full time and everything. So, kind of doing this as like a hobby, like mm-hmm. kind of you know on the side. I think we're doing pretty good. You know, we're we're putting in as much time as we can, and I think I think we got something building here. Last topic. I'm I'm sure Jared will make fun of me, but uh, here's what I did today at ten o'clock this morning. <laughs> got on my computer. Yes, on work time. Uh, Queen tickets went on sale. They they got a show down at uh, at. Uh, Little Caesars in July, and today was the the pre-sale for Queen fan club members. Well, I got a buddy at work that signed up to be in the fan club. He gave me his password. Boom, I hopped on there, bought tickets. So I'm going to see Queen, uh, you know, with Adam Lambert. Now, he, you know, he's, he's not Freddie Mercury, but he had a couple good things. I mean, he's gay. That, that goes without saying. And the guy can sing. So, I mean, you know, he's the front guy for Queen. What it's going to be a that? great show. I didn't know that. I mean, I, I know Adam Lambert from, you know, American Idol and whatever else. He's, like, is this is this like a Queen cover band, or is this supposed oh, to no. be like... Oh, no, no, no. He's the lead singer of Queen. Brian May, the guitarist, Roger Taylor, the drummer. This is Queen featuring Adam Lambert's how they promote Okay, it. I didn't know that. It's good for him. Yeah, it's awesome. And while I wanted to bring that up, also, Jared, you'll get a kick out of this. I might have already told you this. I got my tickets for uh, Greta Van Fleet. 
December 29th. This all kind of segues in, do you know what today's date is? This is December 6th. Do you, do you, is, do you know what the correlation is there? 12-6. I guess I don't know. It's a Michigan like Pearl thing. Harbor? No, tomorrow's Pearl Harbor Day. Today is the first day that Mary Joanna is legal in the state of Michigan. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep. <laughs> I have seen a lot about that. So there might be something to these concerts coming up for the old sports guy. That's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> Just be careful because, you know, it's still, you can still get in trouble from the cops. I know. I know. I've, I've. Yep. I've never it's, got that, it's legal, but there's still a lot of stipulations to it. That's right. And then one other question I got for it's actually for Matt. When was the Seeger show you going to see? Uh, December twentieth. So still a few weeks. Yeah, I'm pretty pumped about that because it was supposed to happen last year. We were actually the next show before he uh, put his tour on hiatus because of his back. So so it's been a, a year in the waiting that we're we're pretty pumped to go to. So still a couple weeks. Yeah. Well, the reason I ask you that is uh, I've all of a sudden become big time looking at concerts and then they just announced that Seeger is having a show at the uh, Saginaw Dow Center, Dow Event Center, January 3rd. And those ticks go on sale tomorrow morning. Yeah, I did I'm see that. Bit... He added like five shows, I think. So yeah, yeah, one in Saginaw. So the one thing that's weird, this he has said this is his last tour officially. Right. He still does, he doesn't have a Detroit date or he, he does the last show isn't in Detroit, is what I mean to say. I, I always figured that, you know, his last show, he'd, he'd finish off in Detroit. He will. They'll announce, they'll announce something down the road here for sure. I would, I would think so. Yeah. Jared? You know, Ted, I, I'm a little nervous just because, you know, you're getting the knee surgery. Do you, are you worried about going up and down the stairs at these stadiums? No, no. And it's hip surgery, by the way, but that's okay. No. Uh, <laughs> I'm no. worried about you. No, I'll be all right. I, I've, you know, I'm a gamer, Jared. I've been, I've been limping along for quite a while now. So yeah, I, I'll be able to do it. Don't you worry. And if I don't, I know where the painkiller is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yep. that medicinal marijuana, right? <laughs> well, uh, we'll see. <laughs> for the glaucoma. For That's the glaucoma. Right. That's right. Well, I guess that'll do it for now. Everybody out there listening, do us a favor. Yeah, it's been a year. Can you believe it? Share this three-point podcast with all your friends and family. Subscribe on Apple, iTunes, SoundCloud, or TuneIn. You know, and also, this is a biggie. Be a part of a future pod. Record a short commentary or question. Send it to our podcast page, Twitter, or Instagram at 3PointPod. Or you can email us at 3PointPod at gmail.com. And again, I want to thank our partners, Rivals Tap House and Grill, the Corona Connection, Corona Public Schools, and Z92.5 The Castle. And very special thanks going out to Noah Jacobs and Morgan McDonald from the University of Wisconsin for hopping on with us and, and giving us some good insight, I thought, as well. This has been a Sportsnet Michigan production. Until next time, thanks for listening to Three Point Podcast.